Welcome, my friends, to another episode of Is That Really Legal? with Eric Rubin. Today, you're going to meet another one of my German friends, Christina Kost, who is originally from Bonn. And uh, we'll talk about where that actually is. Um, but she is very good at speaking English, so don't worry. She has been to Canada and New America and even Central America. We've been friends for a few years. She is a singer, an actress, and an educator, specifically of uh, children with special needs. So she's just one of those cool people. And um, she has had not a straight line, like so many of my friends, in terms of their creative life and uh, their private life. And you will <clears throat> excuse me, hear that she's friends with some of my other German friends, studied under one of them. If you get a chance, you can go back and listen to uh, the interview I did with our friend Heike. Um, but uh, you can just listen to this interview and get a lot out of it also. Uh, if you like this podcast, and I'm sure you do, make sure you subscribe to it because you will get it with regularity in your whatever you get your podcast through. Also, if you get a chance, please review it, rate it. That helps other people find it. And uh, I don't even know if I said this. Did I say go to www.isthatreallylegal.com and you get a chance to leave me a comment. Uh, to also tell me who you'd like to possibly see on this podcast or here, I should say. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with Christina Cost. Christina Cost, welcome to Is That Really Legal with Eric Rubin. I'm so glad to be talking to you today. As I'll probably say in the intro, I've known you for a couple of years now. Uh, we've done seminars together. We've traveled to different places together or certainly ended up in them together. Um, and like many of my friends who I have around the world who are performers or creative people, I actually know more about your interpersonal life than I do about your story. You know what I mean? Like, I, I know that you're a singer and an actress, but I know more about, like, the, your heart and your soul than I actually know about that whole story of how you got where you're going, which is great for me. And I also love to discover who people are. And I've had several of my German friends on <clears throat> who have such interesting backgrounds and perspectives on the world different than mine. So I'm just gonna, oops, I'm gonna get rid of that noise, sorry. And what I wanted to know is, first of all, where were you born and where did you grow up? Well, first of all, thanks for having me, Eric. And um, that was really sweet. Thank you for saying these words. Um, I grew up in Bonn, actually. I live in Bonn, I came back here and I was born in Bonn. Okay, and for people who don't know, Bonn is a pretty decent sized city uh, south I want to say southwest is that like near, I'm, I'm not even sure oh is it, it's near cologne right yes it's near cologne i think it's even southeast but i'm not even mm. sure eric <laughs> yeah i'm not great at german geography i just get on the i, I land and then i get yeah. on the train and then my friends pick me up and i wander around i do know that hamburg is very north because you can go to denmark from there Yes. Um, and I know that Munich is very south. Um, and so that's kind of what Berlin is very east. 
Um, okay, yeah. So let's make it easy. So it's in the very west, close to Cologne. <laughs> thank you. And um, <clears throat> what was it like growing up in Bonn? Are you a city girl or was it like a suburban thing? Like, what, what was that like? Well, I guess, um, yeah, suburban. I guess that that's, yeah, that's a better explanation for it. I mean, it's really close to Cologne. So if you hop on the train, it's like a 30-minute drive. So it's um, it's really close to Cologne where you can get, you know, into musical theaters or wherever you want to go. Um, so Bonn is a smaller city, but it's everything you have. So I really like the mixture of, um, yeah, having some, some culture there. The um, Bonn is really, really good in the culture scene. So there are a lot of uh, small theaters or a lot of small, um, uh, movie theaters and, um, Growing up here, I don't know. I like having a river close to. Mm. So the river here, we have uh, the River Rhine, and I love to go on walks. I even did that when I was a student. Um, so growing up um, is a lot of... We have a little mountains here, not like the Rocky Mountains. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny so. you talk about the river. I live in Brooklyn, literally a couple of blocks from the river, and you can see Manhattan from my house, um, or certainly you can walk and then see it. Um, but I also grew up near the ocean. I, I grew up on Long Island. And mm -hmm. so I love being near water as well. And one of the best things for me about going to Germany is all the German cities that I've been to are river related. You know, there's a lot of, I mean, Hamburg certainly has water near there. Um, <clears throat> and I believe Cologne has a, a river. Uh, right. It's got the Rhine there. Um, and exactly, I've been to the yeah. Elbe. Um, so yeah, I, 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 and many, you know, my family is from Germany, half of it. And I feel like when I go to Germany, there's a, like in my gut, I feel home, which is kind of weird because mm. I, I'd first been to Germany, I don't know, probably less than 10 years ago, I went to Hamburg and I was so stunned by how much it felt like home. And I ate something called a matcha sandwich, which is like a herring sandwich, and I had a herring sandwich mm -hmm. and a beer looking at the river. And I knew, like, I had, I don't want to get all woo-woo, but I'd been there before in the sense that my family, like, you know, we're all made up of all the stuff that our ancestors were made up of, you know? And so, like, I totally mm -hmm. felt like, um, I know that many of my relatives came from Hamburg. So I just felt very connected. And there's something... Well, Germany's got, you know, you guys have an interesting history and it affects all my friends having grown up in Germany. They're delightful, wonderful people, but you still walk by all these memorials of really sad, uh, awful history. And I personally don't like, I, I'm ambivalent, meaning I, I, I like it and I don't like it. I like that people remember, look, this terrible stuff happened. We should never let it happen again. But I also don't like that every time you turn a corner in certain cities, you're just reminded of one particular era that was really not good. I, I mean, I, obviously, mm. we know what we're talking about. With, with Berlin, it's a little more in your face because Berlin was the capital and a lot more stuff went down. And then there's also the Cold War and the Wall. And so you like, 
you walk from you know place to place where like oh yeah this is where people got deported and killed during world war ii but then oh yeah and this is where we shot people going over the wall right after world war ii uh, but you also have this amazing opera house right there <laughs> and you have amazing <laughs> cafes on the sidewalks and beautiful architecture and people from all over the world coming to enjoy Berlin because Berlin has so many museums and theaters and it's very avant-garde and artistic and cutting edge. You know, like that, that was my vibe of, I wasn't in Berlin very long, but, that, and with Hamburg, it's a little less, you know, with Cologne, it's less intense. You, Cologne, for people who don't know, there's this giant cathedral in Cologne, which is very beautiful called the Dome, right? Do they call it the Dome? What do they call it? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's yeah, mm -hmm. unbelievable artworks in there. And the, the cathedral itself is amazingly beautiful. And in the war, not surprisingly, Cologne got the crap bombed out of it, as many German cities did. Um, but the dome was untouched, um, which is great. And I don't know how much of that was an effort by the Allies to not destroy it and how much of it was just dumb luck. Uh, but it's beautiful. There's a great pastry place. <laughs> um, I don't remember the name of it, but they have like every cake known to man. I'm sorry. I'm hijacking this conversation. So anyway, back to you. So you grew up with a very interesting world of like, were you affected by the history of Germany? Did they do, because you're younger than some of my other German friends. Mm. Um, some are a little older than me. Some are on my age. Some are a little younger, but you're significantly younger. I'm not asking your age, but if you want to volunteer it, you can. But I think by the time you're around, are they still getting into World War II and the National Socialists and all that stuff? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think in my generation is more affected by that we want to talk to our grandparents about it. You know, our generation wants to know what happened and not just watch documentaries, but we want to know from person who lived there. And um, I think the other one that affects still in our generation is the, um, my generation wants to go out into the world. So a lot of um, people who graduate, they want to go um, for like half a year or a year going into the world doing volunteer stuff or being an au pair and work in families or study abroad. So I think this is one of the effects. Um, okay, I'm not only German, I want to be like uh, American or I want to be like, um, you know, so Australia. So I'm going to go to Australia. So it's, it's more the effect of, um, not as as per se, but I think it's it's going through this um, perspective uh, to say I'm not only German, you know, I'm, I'm more than that. So right, I, you know, it's interesting you talking about wanting to talk to your grandparents. Uh, mm -hmm. For people who have been asleep uh, or haven't looked at the news in ten years, America is going through a really strange time where some very right wing and even fascist people are. We had a president who was as close to fascist as we've ever had. And we have uh, really frightening times recently and ongoing. And we used to say, we used to look at history, especially, you know, Nazi Germany and think, well, thank God that couldn't happen here. But it is incredible how quickly and easily people can do horrible things. And uh, I was recently watching some documentary stuff and I saw 
you know, for all the people I know who are amazing Germans and I love them dearly, I also watch footage of very pretty young men and women, you know, giving the Hitler salute as a parade goes by. They're cheerful. And, you know, so many times I've heard from people, oh, well, you know, that we didn't know any Nazis or nobody. But there certainly had to be an awful lot of them. Just like I've discovered a lot of my high school friends through Facebook have become very uh, frightening politically. And I've had to stop being friends with some people because I do not share certain beliefs that are frightening to me. Um, so I think it's interesting that you want your generation wants to talk to the grandparents and other people because I suspect there's a lot of stories and there might be something to be gained out of those conversations. I know America and Germany have had a very good relationship since after the war. Even recently, our leaders met very recently because of what's going on with Russia and Ukraine. Um, and, you know, it's very interesting for Americans. It all still feels very far away. But when you look at a map, I can understand why Germans are concerned. The Ukraine is a drive. It's how many how many hours would it take to drive to Kiev from you know Bonn or you know? Ooh, I don't know. It's like a day trip um, or maybe two days tops in a car. No, no more, no more. Right. I think it's it's more, but I, I can't put exact hours on it or how how many. I think you would rather take uh, the plane to go there. Right, and everything's a short flight. Once you're in Europe, it's amazing. A lot of us Americans who go to Europe are stunned by relatively good airfares and how quickly, you know, I would fly to um, Munich and then uh, after, then I could go anywhere. You know, like when, when Holly and I have gone to Italy several times, there have not been direct flights from New York, but you can go to Munich or Frankfurt and then there's a short flight to Italy or Denmark or, you know, wherever. And so Americans who haven't traveled don't get how close Europe is. Also, how tightly knit it is. You know, I've driven with friends that you know, yeah. and you just mm -hmm. like drive across borders as long as it's all EU. Actually, even the Swiss don't care. And you just kind of drive and wave as you go through the border. There's, it's, it's not at all like the United States with Canada and Mexico. It's just like, and honestly, it feels very comfortable. People like each other. They, they, Having a, a common currency makes things easy. Uh, and there's a saying in foreign policy that trading partners don't go to war with each other because, you know, yeah. you're working together financially and it becomes a global economy. All right. Well, mm. this is not either of our expertise, really. But <laughs> um, so you learned English. How do, your English is excellent, like all of my German friends, with very few exceptions. Your English is very good. Where did you learn English? Thank you. Um, for uh, German students, it's um, it's actually a must to learn English in, in school. So there is no school that doesn't teach English in in one in, you know in in the the career of a, of a German student. You have to learn English. So I do um, have a couple of German friends though whose English maybe it's they don't feel comfortable, or maybe they're older. But most of my German friends do speak English, and like you very well that how do you feel about that you 
I mean, it must be comfortable to be a English has become in many ways a world language more than any other, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, and even here in Germany, most of the songs are written in English and sang in English. So when you turn on the radio or like Spotify or YouTube or wherever, you know, you're, you're around English or even some slogans and marketing slogans. Uh, they, they use English words because everyone knows English. So or almost everyone. So it's, it's really. And also on Netflix, when you go on Netflix or some other uh, streaming platform, you know, you can switch into the original language. So it's common for us to watch like uh, shows in English, to learn English, but also mm. just to get practice. In my case, I, I wanted a little more. So um, um, when I was 16, I, I studied some time abroad in England. I went to college there and lived in a host family, which was really fun. And um, after I graduated, I spent four months in Canada on a farm working there. And wow. There, so. Well, where in England were you? In England, it's um, it's called Haywards Heath, which is in between Brighton and London, so close to um, the ocean. <laughs> Did you get into London much? Yeah, some, yeah. On, on some weekends, we went to yeah, we went to go there. Mm -hmm. London, I love London. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I love London, especially the theater world as well. <laughs> right, and we're going to get to that in a few minutes. But Canada, you know, it's so funny. Americans like myself go to Canada and we don't see much difference. And then suddenly the difference will show up. Uh, example, and I don't know if this is the same way with Germans and like Austria. I mean, Switzerland is very different from Germany, even though they mm -hmm. speak German and Swiss German. Austria... I haven't been there, but I feel like it's pretty close to German. But when you mm -hmm. go into when you go into Canada, it's like, oh, they have these funny flags. But other than that, everybody speaks like I do pretty much. Sometimes the accent changes. And then if you go to Montreal, they all speak French. And you're like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> but the products all seem kind of the same. And, the, you know, you're literally just next door. So it's not like suddenly it's tropical or... There's giant mountains or whatever. It's very gradual difference for Americans. So it feels close. The only thing is that uh, we joke about this, that the Canadians are much more friendly. Um, now, you didn't grow up on a farm by any chance. So what kind of farm did you work on in Canada? Um, they grew um, organic vegetables. So uh, most of the time we were harvesting like salad or um, peppers or, um, yeah, <laughs> whatever came up, tomatoes. Did you enjoy that? Yeah, I enjoyed that very much. After graduating, I felt like getting out of my head and more into my body, you know, like working out and, uh -huh. and being outside and not have to study all the time, sitting inside. So right. I love doing that. Now, um, were you always a theater person, like in high school and even younger, or did it come later? It, it came later, but I was always, you know, I hit that, but I wanted to be on stage. You know, mm -hmm. I always had this um, glancing eyes, you know, oh, shining musical theater. Um, so <laughs> I started dancing when I was four years old and I ever did since then. So I was always, you know, I always looked some platforms where I could start singing or playing some theater, but it wasn't like in high school. Um, I always, I don't know, I 
I didn't give that to myself. Mm -hmm. So around 17, 18, I started like, why not me? So <laughs> I started <laughs> going to workshops and um, then I met Heike, some, some in the, in our, you know, transformation community know her. Um, I started being a student of hers uh, when I studied uh, in Cologne. That's, I didn't, I didn't get that. But what's interesting and, and people who are listening, I interviewed Heike months ago and there's a great interview with her on this podcast just go to www.isthatreallylegal.com and you can see all the podcasts they're all up they don't cost anything and Heike who Heike who is so successful these days she's been doing acting in music videos and she just did a tv pilot um, after having some time off, you know, being a mom and being a teacher, uh, she's had a really amazing, and after having dealing, having dealt with, uh, long COVID, she is uh, an amazing individual. And for people to tantalize you to listen to that episode, uh, Heike was on a plane on 9-11 that was supposed to go to New York and she got sent to Canada and her experience was much like that musical Come From Away, and you can hear all about it in that episode. Okay. Sorry about that, Christine. It's just trying to get people to listen to this podcast. Um, yes. Please break about Heike yes, <laughs> and your podcast. Amazing. And I'm sure you enjoyed being a student of hers. What was that like? Yeah, it was so much fun. Actually, you know, I always have this picture of myself that I was like, um, like a sponge, you know, that mm -hmm. sucked up everything I could learn from her. That's uh, not how I see you, but I can get that. Okay. <laughs> I've seen you in water. You're not a sponge. We were in a river together in Costa Rica not that long ago. You were not a sponge, but I get what you mean. That's a great, yeah. that's a very American expression. Do they use that expression in German? Um, I guess sometimes, yeah, but mm -hmm. it's not a very common used. Got it. Mm -hmm. Anyway, yeah. so you soaked up all the knowledge you could out of Heike. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, being on stage with her, like when she was directing, wasn't enough. So um, I said, hey, you know, can I be there in a second theater group? So I did a, a second theater group as well. I asked her to do some um, directing assistant as well. I asked her to do some... Um, uh, playwright, uh, you know, I wanted to know that as well. And um, so when she said, hey, you want to go on an, um, is it like an internship? Yeah, it's internship, right? Yes. When you want to, yeah. So I said, give me any internship you want to give me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I decided to become, um, we call it theater pedagogy, which is similar mm -hmm. to um, teaching, acting or theater I, I think this is such a great example for listeners. One of the reasons I do the podcast is I want to tell, show people there's no straight line, no matter what you want to do, and you never know what happy accidents are going to happen. But you <clears throat> threw yourself into this and were like, I'll, I'll do anything because you, you know, you don't know if you would love being a director's assistant or even a director, but you threw yourself in because if it doesn't work, you learn something. And you also, look, I've been on both sides of the table. I learned a lot about auditioning, watching other people audition for me. Like, I don't, I, I mean, maybe by now I am an expert, but uh, you see the terrible mistakes people make. 
uh, and when they audition, or you see the incredibly brilliant things they do. And also you can see when people are interacting with the director like they're their mother or father, as opposed to just doing your job well, listening to what the director says, and then executing what they want. There's a lot of things that you, if you just sit and listen and watch, you can learn. Did you have that experience? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I asked Heike for uh, preparing for auditioning to the um, master's program. Um, I wanted to go and study uh, teaching theater as a master's program. And you have to audition for that as well. Um, so audition um, for teaching acting. Yeah. How, what is that like? Like, I understand auditioning <laughs> for acting. I've done that a lot in New York for regional theater, for Broadway, for TV shows, for films, what have you. But how do you audition for a teaching program? Okay, so I give you a, a broader um, perspective on, on how studies work in Germany. So I did my bachelor's degree in teaching special needs. And I wanted to go into a master program. Usually they have like, you to, you have to collect like 180 points of your bachelor's points. Um, and then you can apply for a master's degree and they look at your grades. And if they, um, um, if they want you there, you know, they, they say, okay, the grades are good enough so you can enter the master's program. But when you go on a university that is hosted by the state, you need to prove that you're artistic. You know, they don't want to give you money just because. <laughs> right. So it's a limited um, places um, you want to enter. So I think they like 10 places for having this master's program each year. Right. How many people audition usually? Um, for a teaching theater, I think it was like 60, around 60 people, right. but in acting and other arts, like thousands. Right. I mean, these are all competitive everywhere you go. America is not yeah. the only place where everybody wants to be an actor. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, oh, I, I understand. Yeah. Uh, so the master's program, you wanted to audition because they wanted to see how, how you're what, what you learn in, in acting as well, if you're talented, because when you teach, you should have some expertise in acting as well. Um, so experience. I, I agree well. with you, by the way, you know, there's that, there's a joke in America, those who can't do teach, mm -hmm. but that's not accurate in any way, in my experience, um, because I've had great teachers, uh, acting coaches and directors who are very good at lots of things, including the acting. They just chose something different. I, you know, I've seen it also in music, by the way, and I don't know if you play an instrument, but there are producers, people who create records with bands and other artists, some who don't really play an instrument, but they know what a song or a record is supposed to sound like. But many of these producers are also amazing, accomplished musicians. So I, I think it doesn't hurt to learn as much as possible. I feel like you are a member of my tribe in that way, that you are at a young age. And I would, are you 30? Are you under 30, over 30? I'm 31. Is it okay that I asked? Everybody of don't course. write me. 
Um, or if you really feel I did it inappropriately, you can go to my Twitter handle for this. But anyway, um, you know, I'm 61 and I'm not done. You know, I have, I haven't gone on an audition for a long time, but I still do an occasional web series project with a friend of ours, Sapia. It was just up for some awards and, um, you know, but I'm constantly, I don't think, oh, I've got this. I'm, I'm constantly reading and looking and I always, even when I'm watching a brilliant movie, I can get sucked into it, but I will find myself paying attention to how the other actors are reacting to whoever's speaking, how the thing is being shot, what my attention is being drawn to. I'm, you know, just in acting, that's not even with the music stuff. So I, I think you have to be a lifetime learner. It, it, at least I think it makes life more interesting. Have you, like, what are you now kind of getting into? Is there some, well, you know what? I jumped ahead. I'm sorry. Did you get into this program, this master's teaching program? Yeah, I had to audition a second time. To, they wanted to see how I, I work with a group, you know, how I, how my teaching skills are. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I got into the program. So, yeah, that was really cool. And it was like a, li like living in a bubble actually, because, um, it was a really tight schedule and for two years. And, but yeah, oh, yeah. it was living I, in a bubble, but it was fun. <laughs> I mean, I, I sort of understand. I have friends who've done a master's in fine arts and acting or other things here in America where they just have you, when you get up, you're doing everything from body movement to classes on theory of things. And then you're in productions of scenes and like two years just goes flying by and you're just constantly unavailable for anything else. Of course, I went to law school for three years and that was a whole different experience that I won't share because it's like combat. But anyway, <laughs> it was really intense for three years. I will tell you that. Mm. Um, so, I know that you teach, well, actually, I think that you teach special ed. What are you doing now in terms of a job or vocation? Yeah, so um, I, I work part-time. I'm employed part-time. Mm -hmm. So I work as a special needs assistant, which means that um, my employer sent me into um, um, elementary school to assist um uh, from grade one to grade four, um, students that have, you know, they just need a little extra uh, time or extra attention or some support in uh, doing learning at school. So I'm there to assist them in whatever they need. And um, one of my expertise is emotional and social behavior. Mm hmm so I have most of the time I have kids that have trouble sitting or um, being actually also being violent, you know, that sure. are so have so much anger inside them. Um, but also uh, students that um, are a little shy and, you know, need a little extra support and uh, being present and speaking up. It's it's all various yeah, kind of students to assist. Well, they're very lucky to have you. As you know, uh, my wife and a lot of our the friends that we have in common, uh, we have a lot of special needs teachers th that we know of. 
Um, and I'm familiar with all the terminology because my wife, uh, well, during COVID, I sat opposite my wife across the same table. We shared our apartment as our shared office. And I heard her on the phone uh, dealing with special ed uh, teachers and other people. I won't go too deep into it, but I'm familiar with uh, emotionally disturbed uh, people as well as you know, autism and Down syndrome and a variety of special all, dyslexia. I mean, special needs, I think a lot of people don't understand what special needs really means um, because yeah. it could be anything from those uh, types of people that I just mentioned to people who have some physical issues like someone with cerebral palsy or, you know, it's all about supporting people to obtain the education to which they are entitled. You know, one thing that Germany and, and the U.S. rather have in common is we have a public school system. And uh, although it wasn't always the case, we have tried as a culture uh, to make that public education available to everyone regardless of their situation. Mm -hmm. And that could mean anything from a wheelchair ramp to uh, special technology, you know, uh, computer assisted things, an iPad or a person who uh, besides having a teacher, there might be several aides in the room assisting students, um, all of that sort of thing. Uh, and I'm not going to get, into that road because I'm certainly not an expert and I, you know, it's just not, it's not my forte. Um, I find it interesting that you like me have so many different interests because clearly you care about children and you care about people who are, are almost like underdogs in our society. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I'm, I like that you don't want people to be left behind. You know, I think you share yeah. that with my wife and myself. Um, I, and I think that's one of the things that's troubling to me in the political climate in America is there's a lot of people who want to leave certain people behind. They don't want them around at all. They don't want to acknowledge that they exist. And it's frightening to me. It's uh, it's a repetition of history that we don't need. Anyway, enough of that. Um, so um, are you doing any theater or performing? Because also you have a lovely voice and you are, uh, you enjoy Thank singing. You. Um, are you, what are you doing uh, besides uh, being a teaching assistant right now? Yeah, so um, I do, um, you know, part-time the teaching assistant. On the other hand, I'm freelance as uh, teaching acting or teaching theater. Mm -hmm. And just for fun, um, I'm still in this group uh, where Heike directs, so musical theater. So oh. it's it's also uh, with uh, special needs people in there as well. Um, I love to just, yeah, it's, it's a hobby and it's passion. And just like you said in such sweet words, I do. I It's... Yeah, it's my heart. I don't want to leave anyone behind. And I find that if there's any chance that I can support other people, why not? Why? I'm I'm capable of doing support, right? So why not? So and um I know that one day, because my other expertise is also um German sign language. I mean it got a little rusty because I'm not um practicing it right now, but I know that one day I'm gonna do a play with um 
deaf and not deaf people and I want to do some sign language and yeah put that on stage as well I saw uh when Holly and I got married the night we got married we went to a Broadway show called Spring Awakening mm. and it was a version of the show that was done half in sign language nice. and on Broadway um, and by the way, it's based on a German story, that uh, musical, if I'm not mistaken. But it's got a lot of adult themes. It's kids discovering sexuality, and I'm not going to get too deep into it. It's a pretty intense musical, though, I'll say that. And not always uh, uplifting, but uh, it's an interesting musical, to be sure. Um, yeah. So... Do you still audition for other projects or are you pretty much busy working with Heike's theater stuff and that's what you want to be doing? Yeah, right now I'm, I'm not um, auditioning, like I'm, I'm not signing up or looking for any auditions, but you know, I do, just like you said a few moments ago, I love to learn new things. So if there's something comes up, you know, life shows up as it does and <laughs> So if there's audition, I'm really, you know, I'm like, okay, I have to go there. I would do that. It's not that I am proactively looking up auditions or open spots. Um, this is what I want to do right now. And, and I love that. And I love signing up for learning something else like, yeah, singing or um, singing or um, how to be a storyteller or some different ways of um, dancing. I just signed up for tap dancing class. Should be fun. <laughs> oh, man, I, I tap danced. So I'll tell a story and people may have heard this. I don't know. Uh, back when I was uh, doing a lot of Broadway auditions, there was a big Disney audition and the head of Disney casting, uh, we, they had like three shows running on Broadway at the same time. And one of them was Mary Poppins. And, um, I did, I can't, you know, it was a big, do a lot of things. You sing and you do a monologue. It had to be like a comic monologue. And then there was some dance stuff. And at the end of the audition, I uh, got pulled aside by the casting person. who was like, Oh, Eric, I gotta tell you, I love your voice. You're really funny, but man, you need to learn to tap dance. If you could tap dance, you come back to me. We could do work together. Well, I was thrilled, obviously. So I went to the professional place in New York. And for dancers, we'll know this. There's a place called Steps on Broadway. It's on like 72nd or 74th Street and Broadway. And no matter where you are in the world, you've heard of Broadway. Um, so it's uptown on Broadway and you literally go into this place and it is an amazing dance studio where they teach lots of types of dance there's jazz dance there's tap and they have old school ballet where they have live piano players which blew me away it's like only something you used to see in the movies you know because with the yeah. tap dance they play you know music on a record or a tape or whatever same with the jazz stuff but with the real and the ballerinas this was the frightening thing I would get into an elevator and you could have a small elevator. You could fit maybe three of me, or you could put like 15 ballerinas. <laughs> now you are a tiny person for people who don't know you. Mm -hmm. You're like 
five foot two, maybe? I don't know, five foot one? Am I, uh, is that, I don't want to. I, I don't. It's yeah, I don't know how you centimeters. All oh, right. Yeah, it's one hundred and sixty centimeters. I have no idea. People can look that up and tell me. <laughs> but you're you're like half my size. Like if you stood yeah. next to me, you're okay. And yeah. you're not what I would call chunky. So like, but these ballerinas are terrifyingly thin and tiny, mm -hmm. and, and they always seem angry. And I think it's because they're starving. <laughs> they, their idea of lunch is a cigarette you know like it's really i'm just don't get it but anyway so i went to this place i took tap dancing and i really i found that and i've danced and i've done theater dance and i've been fine with that stuff the weight shifting well have you have you done tap dancing yet yeah i have done some yeah in musical yeah. theater workshops mm -hmm. um i just think I, I just, I'm a musician. I get timing. I just, mm -hmm. my body, my body, just the feet. I don't know what was happening. I would do something and I had a really lovely teacher and she would go, that's original. Meaning that's not what I showed you. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, when it comes to being on stage, they don't want you to be original. They want you to look like the other 15 people on stage. You mm -hmm. can't be doing your own dance up there. <laughs> so I never, I never made it to a Broadway Disney musical. I was on 42nd Street, but in a different play at a different time, which we won't go into. But, uh, c'est la vie. Well, I, I'd love to see you tap dance and I love seeing good tap dancing. There's something joyful about tap dance, isn't there? Yeah, I love tap dancing because it's so, um, you know, everything focuses on your feet, you know, you can't uh, pretend to do something else because you have arms or some other legs, you know, you can, you can make your way around it, you know. You can't hide. There's no way to hide in tap dancing. Exactly. <laughs> and what I find amazing is how great the great tap dancers do all sorts of stuff, but their shoulders always remain in the same place you know mm -hmm. maybe their arms will move up a little bit and for people mm -hmm. at home you can't see this i'm i'm dancing in my chair um but um <laughs> i love watching old uh american musicals from like the oh, 40s yeah. and the 50s every every christmas time uh my wife and i watch white christmas which is i think that's the one with bing crosby and danny k and mm -hmm. Um, uh, Clooney, uh, Rosemary Clooney, is that her name? Uh, and another woman. But there's all these beautiful dance numbers and um, great music. It's all Irving Berlin music. Um, and there's plenty of great, you know, Fred Astaire stuff and um, yeah. King Kelly. Do you, do you like those things? Your face yeah, is I love smiling. Yeah, I love Fred Astaire and Gene Kelly, and mm, yeah, I just love that. <laughs> um, they are both. What's interesting is that Fred Astaire is so smooth, and Gene Kelly seems very athletic. Mm -hmm. But they're both, it's because their bodies are so different, I think. But they still can be very graceful. What do you think? Yeah, actually, what um, watching um, these old movies um, also got me into... Um, interest uh, get get me into no sorry <laughs> got me to be interested <laughs> 
into um do you know the the swing music or swing dances like oh Lindy yeah Hop, oh Lindy yes Hop, i do charleston and authentic jazz yes. i love lindy hop and authentic jazz i do that I, i i book courses and i do that regular and i just love the music i mean that's half the lesson right <laughs> right <laughs> all the benny goodman and Artie shaw and glenn yeah. uh miller it, I, I love that you love that. Um, my parents used to have all those records and I used to listen oh, cool. to them. Yeah. Well, they were from that time. I mean, they were born in the twenties. So in the, you know, they were teenagers in the forties when all of that was happening. Okay. Um, um, there's, um, there's a lot of people all over the world who love to do Lindy hops and swing dancing. I have a English friend who's a literary agent who does that stuff. And I'm like, she wears like outfits from the forties, you know, and oh, cool. uh, yeah. So I think, and here in New York, you can always find a class for just about anything. You know, there's a mm -hmm. saying, if you can't find it here, it doesn't exist <laughs> about just about anything with New York City. You know, like whether it's some kind of restaurant or some kind of clothing or music and same with dance. And, you know, dance goes through waves of popularity. You know, salsa dancing, for instance, could be popular, over swing dancing, maybe old school waltzes and foxtrots. But they're always still happening. They never just disappear. And mm. actually I used to do a lot of ballroom dancing. So I'm very familiar with swing dancing, not as much Lindy hop, because that's a lot of athletic stuff. Some of the real serious Lindy hoppers are out there. What's fun yeah. is to, it's fun to watch some older people who look like they have trouble walking, get on the dance mm -hmm. floor. And when the music starts, they're like suddenly 30 years younger. And their their bodies That's just so cool. move. If you get a chance, yeah. Well, you'll when you come to New York uh, next time. Yeah, let's all go dancing. That would be yes. wonderful. Um, and by the way, a hint to men uh, or heterosexual men: if you want to get a girl to be more interested in you, forget the movie. Take her dancing. I have never seen this so obvious more obvious and never women love to dance as a, a rule and you know you can write me guys and tell me i'm wrong you're the woman who doesn't like to dance fine whatever <laughs> but my experience is women love to dance and they don't care if you're any good they really don't because yes. you'll if you're smart you'll also let them dance with another dancer or two they will still come back to you and dance with you because women are generally not awful And they will really appreciate that you took them. Make sure you get a couple of slow dances with them. And, and here's the thing, guys. When you dance, the women let you touch them. Now, behave yourselves on the dance floor. I'm not saying touch them inappropriately. But you are next to each other. And it's very sweet and intimate. Yeah. And you can tell when you're dancing with someone that you get that chemistry. I'm seeing your face. <laughs> you're like yes. really into this. So if yes. a guy asks you to go dancing, you're already like halfway to trying to figure out what to name your children. Right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Spot on. <laughs> so please, world, listen to Eric. <laughs> youth, that whole expression, youth is wasted on the young. 
I did dance a lot, but I got married young and I, with my first wife, I did a lot of ballroom dancing. Um, mm -hmm. What I didn't know was how much dancing and other things she was doing with someone else, but that's not here nor there. Uh, obviously, that's why I am happily married to my beautiful wife, Holly, uh, mm. who only we dance together. Uh, anyway, don't get sidetracked with that. Um, what's next for you? Uh, you're just you're seeing what's going on and what you're see what you'll be open to. You, you still living in Bonn? Is that where you're going to be for a while, you think? Yeah, I think so. I found a beautiful apartment here and I, I love it. It's like really, you know, you open the door and it's like, yes, I'm home. <laughs> I really like that. You know, Holly and I have that about our home. It's like our sanctuary. It's nice when your home is your calm place. Yes. Do you have roommates or are you on your own? I don't. I live on my own. And um, actually, great. it's my, I, I moved 11 times. So. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't think I've lived in 11 places my entire life. I'm serious. So, yeah, no I mean, I... Where I grew up? Well, I mean... I came around a bit. I came around a bit, yeah. Wow. Well, so I mean... I with, you know, I lived with other people, you know, so... Are you talking about just in Bonn? Like 11 places No, in no, Bonn, like in, in Cologne, in oh. Maastricht, which is in the Netherlands. Okay. Um and also in Rostock, where I did my master's program. Um, so, and I, I had roommates, you know, and I love doing this. But once you start working, you want to have your own space. And I don't know, I figured. Oh, yeah. you know. <laughs> I, I was okay with roommates when I was younger, but there's something about opening the fridge and not worrying about whose milk it is, <laughs> yes. you know, and also like not getting a note that like you have to do something or didn't do something or like yeah. you want to use the bathroom and it's not like a whole conversation. There's so, you know, yes, and, exactly. And obviously I share my apartment with my wife, but number one, it's different when you're in the relationship. Yeah. And number two, we have two bathrooms. So it's like being the richest person on the planet. Like, Cool. Having your own bathroom is like I can't, and and in a place like Brooklyn or anywhere in a big city, I think we all know that it's probably the same in Germany. Yeah, yeah. But your own bathroom is just like the great, you know, having your own schedule too. You know, coming home if you've had a hard day at work, I think we've all done this. And you open the door, you want it to be like I'm going to do my quiet time. I'm going to sit and watch some TV have a glass of wine or a cup of soup or whatever your thing is, and then turn it all off and go to bed. You don't want to walk in the door and find that your roommate is making out with their boyfriend. Or, exactly. Or, or, unless that's your thing, but unlikely. Or, or that there's a party going on or you smell smoke of a variety of kinds. or like It's just like, you know, and, and you get it. I mean, we've all been there, or most of yeah. us. So I, I get that. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, what's next for me? Right? Yeah. So what's next for me? Yeah, yeah. Right? Um, so next for me, um, I do look what and what's showing up. You know, I love that uh to, to see what, what life provides there. Um, but also some, you know, next theater projects came in. They wanna do me some they wanna do some creative writing. I have um I've, I'm still looking into that. Um that sounds much fun. Theater projects with the children and teenagers. And um, yeah, 
We'll see. I just want to say for people who don't know exactly what we're talking about, when you say, I'll see what life provides me or how life shows up. You and I have done a lot of seminars with these people, Ariel and Shia Kane. If people are interested, they can go to transformationmadeeasy.com. But what it, one of the ideas behind what we talk about in the seminars is that life shows up and it doesn't, no matter how much we may try to manipulate it or make it different, that only makes our lives a lot more difficult. If we just, and I'm paraphrasing here and you really should check out that website, but you know, our universe really does support us when we pay attention to what's coming. So if all of a sudden we're getting phone calls about certain projects, we can take a moment and see, oh, maybe that really is for me. You know, if you get four calls involving the same project, maybe the universe is trying to tell you something <laughs> as opposed to, no, I don't, I'm not a good dancer. I can't dance. You know, if suddenly people were saying, Eric, I want you to do this dance thing. I know you're not a tap dancer, but we will assist you in doing something. Then, you know, I'm just using it for myself because I'm my favorite person. But if it was for you, if suddenly people were like, you know, we want you to do some video projects, you know, you know, oh, that's what shut up. That's interesting. Okay. Like, I get that you're open and receptive to whatever shows up. Um, and I assume that's true for relationships as well. Uh, yeah. you're, are you on the market right now? I'm dating. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That was, that's a really crass American way of, of saying, are you dating? Are you open to dating? Um, now most of the people who listen here might not find themselves in bond, but just in case there's some people in bond, they can look you up. I'm not going to put your personal phone number or email address. <laughs> Um, do you have a website though, where people can follow what you're up to as an actor or educator or any of that stuff? I don't really have a website yet. Um, mm -hmm. but you know, when an, um, like an, like an employer wants to, um, you know, um, that, um, gives me, um, as a freelancing project, um, every year, you know, they put me on their website as well. So you can still Google me and, and find some, some places where I worked for, but I don't have like an own, uh, website. Uh, and that's Christina. It's K R I S T I N A and cost is K O S T. Yes. Got correct. It. Um, is there anything you think I should have asked you or talked about that we didn't get to talk about, Christina? Absolutely not. It was so much fun, Eric. Thanks so much. Good. Well, thank you for being on Is That Really Legal with Eric Rubin. I had a great time, as I always do, hanging out with you. Um, I'm sure I'll see you again soon. I'm going to be in Hamburg yeah. in May. I hope you'll be there. And mm -hmm. um, thanks. Thanks so much. It was really a pleasure. Thank you, Eric. Likewise. Wasn't Christina just delightful? It's so great to have so many friends from all over the world, uh, actress, educator, and a completely different perspective while also being very similar to the rest of us. And as I always like to say, there is no straight line in life. And just another example of another journey. If you want to see, or rather hear, more examples of these journeys, subscribe to this podcast. And if you have questions, concerns, comments, please go to www.isthatreallylegal.com 
and there's a place to contact me, so do that. Um, it is great to be back and doing shows, back from hiatus, back from COVID. Please don't get sick. I'm here to tell you it was not fun. You don't need to experience it. Um, so get all the shots and boosters and wear a mask and take care of yourself. And if you get a chance, take care of someone else too. Maybe someone needs you to run soup from the deli to them or make soup or just check in on an elderly neighbor. You know, that kind of stuff. It's what makes us really great, the way we take care of each other. So uh, that's it for this week. There's more to come, and it's going to be fun. So stick around and listen to us next week. Have a great one. Bye-bye.